Amen. Well, good morning. Can you believe it's Christmas? I mean, it's, it's just like it's here all of a sudden. This is our Christmas service for the year, and I can't believe we're here in it. Uh, but I love Christmas. It's, it really is my favorite time of year. This is just such a, a sweet time. I'm really excited about tonight. I hope that you will come back and join us tonight for a really sweet time of worship. Hey, you guys. Uh, sweet time of worship at 5 p.m. tonight. Uh, please join us, if you will. This is just going to be a time of Christmas worship, a uh, time where the family gets together and we sing familiar songs and new songs, and, and they even let me be a part, which is exciting for me. Um, and it's just, uh, it's just a sweet time to be together. You know, uh, Christmas, for a lot of us, is a wonderful time. We love it, right? For a lot of us, we go, Christmas, it's like we wait all year for Christmas but there's a lot of people that don't feel that way, right? There's a lot of people that when Christmas time comes around, they go, oh. Some of you may be here this morning. <laughs> In fact, I have a feeling that there's probably a whole myriad of different uh, levels of how we feel about Christmas in the room. Some people excited, some people just ready for 2023 to come on. Let's just go. Let's get going, right? I get that. I get that. There's a song, I don't know that we're going to sing it tonight, maybe we are, I don't know, but uh, let's see if you can finish the lyric. It's the most wonderful. Very good, very good. See, it's going to be like that tonight, but better. Um, I was thinking about time. You know, it's, it's kind of a hard concept to understand. On earth, we get it, it seems to fly by. The older I get, things are just like like Christmas coming around going, dang, here, here's Christmas, bam, it's here. But the thing about time is sometimes we face difficult times. Sometimes we go through seasons of life that are hard to walk through. And so this morning I want to be very sensitive to the people who are struggling with Christmas or just struggling with the time that they're walking in right now. Maybe this season of life for you is so hard and so difficult. But I, I want to say to you, and I believe this with all my heart, what we talk about this morning could be the very thing that helps you understand that God is with you, that he is sovereign and over time itself, and actually even the very thing that you're walking through or struggling with, he's over it. And we can give it to him, we can lay it down. Even though it's difficult, we can walk through it. I was watching one of my well, actually, my favorite devotional writer of all time happens to be sitting on the front row over here. And I love to watch my wife's devotional. She does devotionals on LifeWord, uh, on their Facebook channel, on Facebook every Tuesday and Thursday. And I watch every one of them, and they're so good. And, and I was watching one from last week, and she was talking about time. And she was talking about perfect time and how Jesus happened to come at the perfect time. And it just kind of started this whole concept in my mind about uh, timing. The timing of God and the timing of our lives and, and how he is in control of absolutely every aspect of it. You've heard the phrase before, timing is everything, right? I'm a musician. My training and, and uh, experience and background has been in, mostly in music. And you really can't be a very good musician if you don't understand time right? Like that kind of separates the good ones from the bad ones. The ones that don't get the time right uh, really are not great musicians. Kind of the same thing if you're going to be a comedian or a communicator, you've got to understand timing, a storyteller, timing. We're starting to teach Daisy how to drive. We're thinking about it. Lord, be with us, please. <laughs> timing is everything when you drive, right? When you, I love to cook, and I'm getting excited to have some time to cook over the next couple of weeks and cook some things, you know? Um, but timing is everything, even when you cook things. The thing is, is everything that's incredibly important deals with proper timing, the right timing. It all matters. It all comes down to time. But the truth is, God is in control of time. And I want to know, do you believe that? I know we say, yeah, okay, God's sovereign. God's sovereign. Now, he, he's in control. But no, I, I want to ask, do you really believe that with the time you're facing, because each one of us are facing different things today, and the time that you're facing right now, would you go, God's in control? I know. 
beyond a shadow of a doubt, God is sovereign and he's in control of my life. So I started thinking about this because of the characters of the Christmas story. Just kind of reading through all the different aspects, and there's a lot. There's a lot of characters, and I didn't choose all of them. But I started looking at some of the different characters in the Christmas story, and I started realizing, wow, you know, their lives weren't perfect around the Christmas story. Some of them were overjoyed. Some of them had been waiting. Some of them went through unbelievable difficulty and stress and, and problems around the Christmas story, around the birth of Jesus. And I started thinking, you know, it's a lot like the people in this room. Because I could ask any one of you this morning, what's the timing like right now for Christmas for you? It's a joyful time, love Christmas, can't wait, is it? I'm just gonna make it through. I don't really wanna talk about it. I didn't put up a tree this year. But let's just, let's just move on. Because it's different for everybody and in the same way in the Christmas story, it was different for those characters as well. Now this morning, I'm going to just kind of give you a warning. We're going, to, we're going to hit some Bible stories quickly. And I want to hit seven different spots in Scripture of different people's lives, okay? And so it's going to feel a little bit like a Bible drill if you're following with me, all right? Or you can look up on the screen. It may be easier for you. But we're going to get around to a lot of different spots in God's Word. But what I want us to take a look at, and remember this, there's three things I want us to, to really dig deep into today, okay? We're going to have a Bible study today. And what that study is going to show us, first of all, I want us to look at the people that I'm talking about. Who are these people, right? Who are they? The second thing I I want us to to notice is what kind of timing is going on in their lives. What's the thing happening with them in the story? So put put yourself in their position. Walk a mile in their shoes in the story. Just try and go there for a little bit in your mind. What must it have been like to be that person in that moment, in that time for them? And then the third and maybe the most important thing that I want us to see this morning is this. How did they respond to God? Because that really is where it comes down for us. Who are you? What are you dealing with? What, what timing is going on in your life this morning? And then the big question, how are you and I going to respond to what's going on in our lives right now? With our family or our finances or our health? Fears, discomfort, struggles, disappointment. How will we respond in these moments of God's word? I want to pray a quick prayer and then I want us to jump into Matthew chapter 2 and to the first story. Will you pray with me? Father, we love you and we so need you today, God. Lord, as we look in your word and as we see the beauty of this story that is perfect in every way and yet completely imperfect in its details. I mean, when we put our lives and our minds in the place of these characters, God, we see that there's nothing perfect, nothing easy. And it reminds us, Lord, that we're walking in a season of imperfection as well and brokenness and struggle and question. And yet we serve a perfect God who is perfect in his timing. So Spirit of the living God, I pray that you would move in us and teach us, um, give us understanding of all that you want us to know today. And I pray that you would increase in this time and I would decrease by your grace. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, look with me, Matthew chapter two for our first story. Matthew two, verse one says, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea. Now also, I wanna make a note. And I've done this on my notes. I've just circled anywhere there's some comment about timing. You might want to do the same thing, or you might want to make a note of it. Look how much detail is in God's word about timing, okay? Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, right? There's a specific timing that's happening here. He was the king. Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. I love the Magi. I love the wise men. I don't know if it's because I, I literally, no kidding, I just remember this this second. I hadn't thought of this. I literally played a wise man right over there in my bathrobe. No kidding. I just remember that. I don't know, it's 
crazy that I just remember that. I remember coming out that door back there in my bathrobe and a big beard. Anyway, that's not the reason I love the wise men. I love the wise men because there's so much mystery around this story. There's so much history around this story. There's so many elements that we really don't know. But as we study God's word, we can really put some pieces together, and it's amazing the things that we learn about the wise men. So remember the three things we're going to look at, who they are, what their timing is, what they're dealing with, and how they respond. So what, first of all, who are these guys, right? And I'm going to get to that in just a minute, but I want you to know they had waited a long, long time. Like from best estimates, they had been waiting on this star to appear for four to 500 years. So that means generation after generation after generation after generation after generation of training up wise men to know how to do all these, these uh, unbelievable math, uh, mathematical equations and astronomical uh, uh, equations and, and following, literally calculus even. And I'll explain that in just a minute. The things that took place for four to 500 years, that was their timing. They had to wait that long. It's believed that when Israel was taken in captivity into Babylon, that Daniel really became a a massive person of influence. You might remember some of the stories. God gave Daniel the ability to interpret dreams. And so as the kings had a dream, Daniel, the wise men of Babylon, could not interpret his dream. And usually if you couldn't do that, then you, right, you were killed. But Daniel comes up, interprets the dream king begins to take notice, places Daniel over the wise men. Okay, that's our first clue to remember. This is where the wise men kind of story comes from, all right? Daniel's now over the wise men, and he's just saved their lives. Are you going to be appreciative now? (laughs) We love Daniel. He's amazing. And then they begin to see things happen around Daniel like uh, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember those guys? And they stand Instead of bow before an earthly king, they choose to stand for a heavenly one. And what happens is they go into the furnace and they don't burn. And there's a fourth member in the fire and they don't know what's going on. They come out not even smelling like smoke somehow. Because Jesus was with them in the fire, remember? And the king goes, uh, okay, something's going on here that I don't understand. Let's worship the king of Daniel. You keep going a little further, and, and there's different kings, and all these kings begin to worship the God of Israel. It's an amazing reality. Well, even Daniel in the lion's den, remember there's King Darius, and, and uh, they tried to trick Daniel so he wouldn't bow down to pray, but he does because he's going to bow and pray for his king. And as he does, people see him, and they bring him before the king, and the rule was you had to go, you had to be killed if that's what you did. Well, they put Daniel in where? In the lion's den. But God was with Daniel in the lion's den. So now all these kings are looking at Daniel going, something different about this guy. Something different about this guy's God. And so Darius even says, let us worship the living God of Daniel, right? Incredible. So Daniel is just giving some background understanding of why there was such trust, why there was such faith in the God of Israel all the way in Babylon. Look what God can do in a place called Babylon with God's people. What does that say to us, where we live, with what's going on where we are, right? So he's got all this influence with these people. Daniel instills in the Magi, in the wise men, this, not only this faith in the God of Israel, but that he was gonna be sending the king of the world. Guys, you need to be ready. Because the king of all time, of, all, of the whole universe, is coming. And we have prophecies that tell us about it. In fact, Daniel was a prophet. Daniel 9, he prophesies of Jesus' coming. Daniel 9. In Gen- Daniel 10, he prophesies about Jesus' death. And they also had other prophecies from Scripture. So he's able to teach them. Learn, right? Learn what the prophecies mean. Watch for the star. All these calculations are going, are going on. It's incredible. In fact, recently, I was reading this in my research, there's been a recent discovery in the last several years where they found all these tablets from ancient Babylon. 
And that discovery of these ancient tablets show that they were using calculus to track the, uh, the movement of Jupiter across the sky. 1,500 years before they thought calculus existed. Isn't that incredible? See, our God is the God of math. <laughs> he's the God of numbers. He's the God of all things. He's sovereign, and he's over time. And somehow God gave Daniel the ability to, to, in, to influence these men and this tribe of mathematicians and scientists, brilliant people, to watch for a star. And that's exactly what they do. Some of the prophecies Daniel told them about, Numbers 24, 17, says, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. Right? They're, they're, they understand there's going to be a star that rises, so we need to be watching. But where? Micah 5, 2 through 5. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathath. This is where Messiah is going to be born. You might remember even in the Christmas story, this is where uh, the priests, the, the, the people who were uh, helping Herod, the people who uh, Herod turns to and says, where's the Messiah supposed to come from? They say Bethlehem. Remember that? Because of this scripture. It says, O Bethlehem Ephrathath, you are too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you shall come forth the one who is to be ruler in Israel. I love this. Whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. That means from before time began, okay? Now drop down to verse four. It says, and he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. There's a reason the wise men are waiting, investing into their children the truths of God's word, watching, waiting, generation after generation. Not unlike the moment that we saw in the video, those 400 years of silence, when God's people had to wait and wait. God's silent. And the silence breaks with the cry of a baby boy from heaven, Emmanuel, God with us. This is an incredible moment because God is the God over all time. So the wise men, they have the faith in the living God of Israel. They have instructions to watch for the star. They have understanding, incredible understanding of prophecies. They know where the, the Messiah is supposed to be born. But they also have the willingness to take action when they see it. Can you imagine being that guy? And they've done the calculations. Bill! Stop me. It's like, you got to see it. Not that there was a guy in Babylon named Bill. But there's a star. It wasn't there. I don't know what to tell you. I think this is it. You know? So much faith that they decided to travel over 900 miles from Babylon to Jerusalem. We don't know how many, you know, the, the, the story says three, says three kings. We, we don't think they were probably kings, but that's sort of tradition. But they're wise men, and they travel over 900 miles to come and bring some gifts to this, not the king of Jerusalem, right? not the king of Bethlehem, the king of the world for all time. And they come and they worship him. And I was just thinking, you know, if we stop and think about us for just a moment, I think we can learn something from them. We, too, need to have the kind of faith that we teach generation after generation God's word. We need to have the kind of faith that we, we, we help our kids and our grandkids and our great-grandkids watch for the signs of God, to be ready to take action, to be ready to believe, to do whatever it takes to follow the God of Israel, watching and waiting for his return. It's now our turn right, to watch and to wait. Are we doing that? Are we ready? Their response, the response of the Magi, the wise men's faithfulness, it's intentionality, and it's worship before King Jesus. Here's the second uh, story I want to bring us to. Zechariah and Elizabeth. I love this story. I love all these. Some of these are more special to me. Luke chapter 1, uh, verse 5. Remember, this is an old couple here. Just, let's just read the text here. It says, uh, Luke 1.5 says, In the days of Herod, I circled that, looking at timing, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. 
And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. Notice that. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. These are old, older people. Now, while he was serving as a priest before God when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by Lot. Just happens to be, right? Just happened to be the right time here. He's chosen. By the way, these priests would serve once, twice a year. You do the math. You do the odds here, okay? Our God is overall timing. He's perfect in his timing. Circle that. He's chosen by Lot to enter into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside uh, at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel from the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him and fell upon him. I don't know if the angel catches him or what, but it says he fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear a son and you shall call his name John. We're talking about John the Baptist here, okay? Verse 22. And when he came out, came out of the temple, let me just give you a little background here. Uh, Zechariah didn't want to believe the angel. He tells the angel from heaven, hey, what's the sign I need to know that this is going to happen? Really, Zechariah? What's the sign you need to see after talking to the angel from heaven? And the angel goes, really? Okay, now you're not going to be able to speak. How's that for you? You know, if you can't believe this, you can't speak. So he's walking out, can't speak. Verse 22. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple, and he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, I love that he finished his shift, don't you? His time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. Now, I want to just look at them for a moment. We're going to look at three things. Who are they? They both come from this tribe or line of people who were priests. Their job was to care for the, 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 the details of the temple. And again, once or twice a year, and he happens to go in at that exact moment because God is the God of perfect timing. I think it's interesting that the text tells us they were righteous people, right? That they were faithful people. But I also notice they were heartbroken people because my wife and I have been those same heartbroken people without a child. And we, we struggled for 12 years to not be able to conceive. Zechariah and Elizabeth, try 50. Try 60, I don't know how long. But long enough that that dream was over, <laughs> Right? Long enough to believe, okay, let's just, let's just walk. And this is what I think is so cool about this. Their dream didn't come true in that moment, yet they were faithful to God. They walked in obedience, and they continued to pray that God would use them however he wanted to. And so what does God do? He honors them in their obedience and their faithfulness. They had prayed for a child, and in their old age, God honors this, and he blesses them with John the Baptist. So even in the silence of God, for their whole, until they're old, they're faithful to the Lord. Can, can I just be a reminder to you? Regardless of what you think God has done or not done in your life, you still remain faithful and obedient to Jesus. He's a God of all timing. You don't trust your feelings. You don't trust your circumstances. You walk in obedience and faithfulness to God. And you trust that he knows what he's doing when he's doing it. And you give it to him. That's what they did, and, and so God honors them, and then all of a sudden this angel comes about and tells them they're going to have a child. And I love these little moments, right? It's so hard to believe Zechariah questions an angel. It's so hard to believe Elizabeth stays at home for five months just relishing the beauty of her pregnancy, just spending time with God and this life inside of her that the Lord has blessed her with. Can I just tell you, listen, their timing is that they had waited their whole lives. 
they had remained faithful and obedient and prayerful, even in the silence of God, even in God not answering their prayers. But when he does, they just continue to be who they've been. They continue to do what they've done, walk in obedience, walk in faithfulness. They name this baby John, who the Lord told them to, to do that, and then they raise John in the way that they, the Lord wants him to be raised. Here's the next character, Joseph. He's a main character, right? He's one of the big ones, Joseph and Mary. Joseph had, just an understatement is to say that he had an inconvenient time. Matthew 1, 18 says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother, Mary, had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being just a man, I love that, that Matthew puts that in there, being just a man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. That's literally what his name means. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Now, so here's the third character. Here's Joseph, right? He's a young man. He, he's from a prominent family, the line of David. And he's about to marry the love of his life. I remember standing on this stage and looking that back at that door and seeing the love of my life. She had like this glow around her. I, I couldn't believe it. And right at the moment where he's ready to marry the love of his life, scandal hits. Serious, devastating, dangerous scandal because Joseph could have had Mary stoned. Do you realize that? He could have made a big fuss. Oh, you're pregnant, huh? Oh, I see. Couldn't wait for me. Okay, great. Then let's just get her stoned. But he's a good man and he doesn't want to do that. He doesn't want to scorn her or, or bring her up in that way. And so it says he wants to divorce her quietly. He can't marry her. Too much scandal. This just can't move on with this. And that's when He's asleep and an angel comes to him in his dream. He wants to do the right thing and the angel assures him, listen, don't dishonor Mary. Don't do that. Instead, marry her. I have a plan for your life. Even in the moment that it seems things couldn't get worse. Again, put yourself in Joseph's shoes just for a moment. Can you imagine? What do people, what will they think of me now? Because I'm going to stay with her. They're going to think it's my son. Now I could be stoned. Right? As we place ourselves in his shoes, what does it teach us about the timing in his life? The bad, inconvenient, scandalous timing in Joseph's life. And yet the angel says, listen, this child is from the Lord. And so what is Joseph's response to God? It's obedience in the middle of inconvenience. I want to just remind you in an encouraging way this morning, some of us need to be reminded to be obedient in inconvenience. Because it seems like in our culture today, as soon as it gets dis dis uh, uh, uncomfortable, inconvenient, difficult, I'm out. <laughs> Can't do it. Can't be there. Don't ask me. But Joseph, in the most difficult moment of his life, remains obedient in inconvenience. And he did what God told him to do. He humbly protects and serves Mary. Do you see that? He protects her. He raises Jesus as his own. He really takes second fiddle, doesn't he? I'm not most important in this family. I'm going to lead. I'm going to serve. I'm going to care, protect. But it's all about Jesus. Brings us to number four, that's Mary. Put yourself in Mary's shoes just for a moment. 
very young. We don't know how young. But probably barely old enough to conceive. 13, 14, 15. What a frightening moment for Mary. Luke 1, 26 says, in the sixth month, look, notice timing, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee uh, named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and, and uh, greatly troubled, right? notice that. She was greatly troubled at the saying. And she tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be, trying to understand this poor little girl. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Verse 34, and Mary says to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? Verse 35, and the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. What, what a frightening moment this could have been. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived and is in the sixth month time with her who has been called barren, verse 37, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now Mary, major character here. See, when I think about Christmas, I think about warmth and sleeping in and meals with family and Christmas movies. And this is not Mary's experience. This is a terrifying experience for Mary. This is a terrifying experience for a little girl who, who doesn't know what to expect in any way about anything in life, just about. If we place ourselves in her shoes, how scary, how uncomfortable this is going to be, and yet what is her response to the Lord? She trusts him with her life. Not just in that moment, for the rest of her life, I, I trust him. And this is what she says, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. I love that. This proclamation. Right? It's not about me, God. I'm your servant. Let it be to me. This is like a blank check with God. Let it be to me, whatever, according to your word. You know what that means? Whatever you say. How many of us are willing to give God a blank check and say, Lord, let it be to me, whatever, because I'm your servant. Man, that's hard, isn't it? Because we go, no, I, God, I want this. And I've really been praying for this, and I'm hoping this. But Mary just said, let it be. Whatever you say, it's okay. So here goes Mary and Joseph. Timing was difficult for her. Uncomfortable, to say the least. She rides a donkey at nearly nine months pregnant over 100 miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem. She gives birth on the floor of a cave. How's that sound, ladies? With a bunch of filthy animals around her. She could have easily said, really, God? Really? This is what I get for serving you and saying yes? Following you, trusting you, this is it? That's not what she does, though. I am your servant. Let it be to me according to your will. Incredibly difficult uncomfortable, and she trusts God with the plan for the rest of her life, willing to accept whatever he says, trusting his timing, his provision is perfect for her. I, I love the encouragement from Elizabeth in Luke 145 when she says to Mary, blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Mary, you believed what God said. You believed it and you waited, you trusted. Let it be true of us. Here's number five, the shepherds. This is a rowdy bunch. Luke 2, verse 8. 
It says, in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. That's their first response. Okay, They're afraid. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That means Messiah. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was uh, with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now watch this in verse 15. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up these things pondering them in her heart, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. These shepherds, we've talked about them before. This is an interesting bunch. This is, the shepherds in that day are, are our modern day equivalent to the homeless guy on the corner. That's what the shepherds are. They're, they're known in that day as thieves, as dirty, not trustworthy, they wouldn't be allowed into the synagogue or into the temple. You stay over there, we stay over here. So what does it mean that the God of the universe would make his announcement to this group of people? It's very revealing. Because what God is saying is, I'm sending my son for all people. Everyone, right? Everyone, everywhere. It also says something to us about who can deliver this message? Some of you say, well, I can't really be a missionary. I can't really be a pastor. I can't really take the gospel of Jesus to my neighbor. I'm not, really? Because the shepherds were really quick to be obedient. That's who they were. We know who they were. We see that, that, that their timing was, they were on their own. They were out in the field. They are doing their thing. And God dropped in the middle of their evening this unbelievable moment. It was unexpected. It was undeserving. It was full of grace. And yet it revealed God's heart for people. And their response went from incredible fear to excitement to obedience. They left and found the child just as, as uh, the angel said. And then after their obedience, they went on mission to tell what has happened. And then after their mission in Bethlehem, didn't take too long, Bethlehem wasn't that big. They let everybody know in Bethlehem, they come back to the stable and they begin to worship Jesus. That's their response. Here's number six. This is Simeon. Remember Simeon, the old guy in Jerusalem? Luke 2.22. And when the time came, again, time, when the time came, notice that, because it's a perfect time that God has for us. For their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him, Jesus speaking of, up to Jerusalem, to the temple, to present him to the Lord. Verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, and he had been, watch this, waiting for consolation. Right? That's what he's been doing. <laughs> waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the spirit into the temple, and when, the parent, when Mary and Joseph, the parents, brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, in verse 29, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory, and for glory to your people Israel. Now, just for a minute before we go. Simeon, he's an old, old man. God told him a long time ago, before you die, you will see the Lord's anointed. You will see the Messiah. Time is about up for Simeon, right? If any of you, if you had the moment of kind of going, well, I thought God said uh, dot, dot, dot. I'm just not sure. And it's time. You ever done that? 
bills are coming due. Lord, God, I just don't know if we're going to make it. I don't know how our marriage can sustain one more fight. This old man had been hanging on. It was a close call for Simeon. And yet he comes into the temple full of the Spirit and he takes Jesus in his arms. And he looks at the very promise of God. Not just a promise to all the world, but a promise even just to Simeon. You will see Messiah before you die. And Simeon says, now I can die. Now I can go. Now I can be in peace. Because the Lord's anointed is here. God kept his promise and he always does. What was his timing? It was his whole life. Simeon had to wait his whole life to see God keep his promise. And what was Simeon's response? His response, number one, is a beautiful reminder to Mary and Joseph. Mary and Joseph, this is the Lord's Messiah. Not just for God's chosen people, Israel, but as a light to the Gentiles. Do you understand who I'm holding here? Because sometimes we forget who we are. Sometimes we forget what God's spoken to us. And it could be that the laying on the floor in the cave or the ride to Bethlehem or the difficulty of living a Bedouin life that they needed somebody like Simeon to say, hey, you know what, do you, re- do you realize who this is? Do you remember? Sometimes you need to be reminded of who God is in your life. This is the last one I want to bring to us before we go. And the most important is Jesus. This is what got me thinking about all this timing. This verse, Matthew 1, 17. Let's look at it. Think about God and his timing. Think about God and his perfect Timing. So all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations. And from David to the deportation to Babylon of Israel, 14 generations. And from the deportation uh, to Babylon to the Christ, 14 generations. That makes Jesus the seventh of seven generations, right? God cares about numbers. He cares about time. Even though he's outside of it, he's in control of it. And what I want us to see, based on these stories, based on your story, based on what time you're in right now and what you're facing, what I want you to leave here with today is to understand that God is precise, exact, and perfect in his timing. He was perfect with Jesus. Look what it says in Galatians 4.4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. The fullness of time, another word here could be appointed or appointment. In other words, the God of the universe made an appointment in the heavenly appointment book, right? And said, this is the exact second that Jesus will enter our atmosphere. And guess when he did? At that exact moment, because God is perfect in his timing. Even Paul says in Romans 5, 6, you see, just at the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly, because God is a God of perfect timing. Jesus dies on a cross on the day of atoning, right? When, when the perfect lambs were to be given as an offering, as a atoning sacrifice, the, the, the atonement offering. Instead of a lamb, it's the lamb slain before the foundation of the world on the cross. Timing matters. And Jesus is sacrificed on a cross for you and for me exactly when God prepared for him to be on that cross. Friends, here's the, here's the point. Here's the light bulb. Here's the thing that God kept putting in my spirit. Ma- the magi waited and waited and waited, and they believed and acted and trusted and worshiped. And Zechariah and Elizabeth, they waited a lifetime, but they were patient and faithful and prayerful. And Joseph's plans, his, his plans were interrupted, but he was humble and he served obediently. And Mary, what a difficult road she had to, to walk, but she trusted the Lord. And even in frightening and uncomfortable realities, she was faithful to give him her life. And the shepherds had to trust that God could use someone like them. 
even the way they were seen in society, God could do something with them. He could use them to move forward the gospel of Jesus and his arrival. Simeon waits his whole life. And we learn that God always keeps his promises. But what about you? What about me? What about us? What is the timing of your life? Many of you know that my, my best friend next to my wife probably on this planet is my brother-in-law. Her brother. He's dealing with cancer. Multiple myeloma. He's going through it right now, today. Shot yesterday, shot today. This is a very difficult moment for our family. But God is perfect. Did you hear me? It's a very difficult moment. It's, it's imperfect timing. This is Christmas, really. And yet God is perfect in his timing. How do I know? Because we know. Because God has shown us his timing. You know, our, our church has been through a difficult season since covid it's been a difficult road for us. Financially, we face some difficulties. We've had difficulty after difficulty with the sale of our building. We're closing on the 30th. Praise the Lord. It's final, and we're moving to closing. Continue to pray about that. It's a blessing. And I'm so excited to see what God wants to do with his people at South City Church in this city of Little Rock for his glory and the mission of Jesus. I can't wait. But it's been difficult it's been imperfect, and yet God is perfect. It's been exactly when God wanted it to be. And the things in your life are happening right now in this moment exactly when God has allowed them to happen. Listen, there may be a death that causes Christmas to be so difficult. There may be fear in your heart that causes difficulty in this time. Maybe you're waiting. Maybe you're uncomfortable. Maybe you're struggling. And you probably are in one way or another, but guess what? God is perfect. He sees your problem. He knows about it, and he has allowed it. He's over it. Do you believe that? He loves you in the middle of it, and he has a purpose for every single thing that he does. Why do we begin to think that this is just haphazard? What a rough time we're having. How difficult this is, and yes, it is. Things are difficult and we have to walk through them, but guess what? We don't walk alone, friends. And we don't walk uh, uh, this outside of this reality that God of the universe sees and knows that he's with us. I, this is something in my own life. Psalm 139 has been so special to me because it says, all the days of my life have been laid out before the Lord before I even lived one of them. Every one. God knows the day I was going to be born, August 8th, 1972, and he knows the day I'm going to die, whenever that is. There's nothing I can do about it. He, he, he knows. So I trust in him. He's in control of my whole life. Friend, you haven't missed God. Can I remind some of you and encourage you some of, of this truth this morning? You haven't missed God. You're here this morning in a moment of grace in a moment of God's kindness and goodness, to hear the message and the gospel of Jesus now. You haven't missed him. You have a moment right now to bow your heart and life before the king and say, Lord, I need you, Jesus. I have run from you. I've made every mistake in the book. I'm a sinner. I'm broken. And this has been a hard time. But you are sovereign in control of it, and I surrender all that I am, just as Mary did. Do with me what you want. I believe in you. I believe that you died for me. Forgive me my sin and help me to live for you, Lord Jesus. Is that your prayer this morning? Trust he knows how you feel. He knows what you're going through. Can I just say this phrase this morning? I want you to hear it. He is good, even in the moments that are not. His timing is perfect even when it feels so imperfect. Mordecai told Esther. Remember that story? Mordecai tells Esther, who knows, Esther, maybe you're alive, there's breath in your lungs, for what? Such a time as this. For right now. What Mordecai was, was saying without the whole understanding and the whole counsel of God's word that we have 
is that that we know, right? And that is, if there's breath in your lungs, there's purpose for your life. You're here this morning, not by accident, friends. You're here because of God and his love for you and the opportunity to be with his people and to realize that his timing is perfect in every possible way in your life, through difficulty, through cancer, through brokenness, through divorce, through separation, through addiction, through recovery, through whatever, through lostness. God loves you and his timing is perfect today. And I believe you're here and alive for such a time as this. And by God's grace and goodness, we get to make the choice what we're gonna do with it. What are you gonna do with it? What will we do with this greatest gift of breath and life and purpose? Will you continue to walk in your own desires? Will you continue to walk in what you want or what's important to you? Or will you lay it down and say, God, this is my life. I surrender it to you because you're perfect and your timing is perfect. Pray with me this morning. God, can we just confess to you this morning that sometimes it's really, really hard. Can we confess to you, Lord, this morning? And I know we can because even Psalm 8 says that you know we're made of mere dust. You know who we are. You know what we're made of. You know our struggle and how hard it is. And so even, Lord, we see an example in Scripture of a man that says, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. So all my friends, Lord, that are here this morning and they're walking through difficulty, maybe it's the age of their life, maybe they're facing a very difficult moment of faith and belief. Let's just look at the Christmas story and see all the difficult moments they're in and be reminded of the perfect God narrating it all to perfection that there was a reason for the trip to Bethlehem there was a reason for a cave there was a reason to make an announcement to shepherds there was a reason Lord for everything we face and we don't have to know why just yet we can just trust the God of life and we can surrender all that we are and say Lord we trust you we love you we believe you Now help us in this difficult moment to believe that you are perfect in all that you do, in your timing, in all that you are, God, you are perfect, even in imperfect moments. God, if there's one person here this morning that doesn't know you as their Savior, would would you please, God, by your grace, draw them to yourself. If they need to come to this altar and speak with me or another elder, Lord, please draw them now. Bring them to this place of humility to say, I need to know, I want to confess, I want to lay my life down and trust Jesus. I don't want to go to hell. I want to live for you, Lord. And in your grace, you've given me another moment, another day to surrender. Lord, would you help them to do that? By your spirit now, draw them, I pray. Father, we love you. And with the breath in our lungs and the time we have left, God, we pray that you would help us to love you and serve you with all that we are and to trust you in the moments that seem imperfect and difficult. In Jesus' name, amen.